Good afternoon. I am now calling the meeting of the Facilities Master Planning and Oversight Committee to order. Susan Solomon, Chair. Uh, Michelle, can you please call the roll? Yes. Chair Solomon. Present. Trustee Chung. Present. Trustee Wong. Here. Student Trustee Brandt. Present. You have a quorum. Thank you. I will start with a land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatusha Loni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatusha Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in the tra traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. And with that, we will move to the agenda. Um, public comment for this meeting, other than comments on items not on the agenda, will be taken on each item as it's discussed. Requests to make public comment must be submitted in advance, no later than 30 minutes before the start of the meeting, via email to public comments at ccsf.edu or via phone 669-444-1266. Please submit the following information, name, meeting, name, and date, agenda item number, phone number, if participating by phone. And then at the appropriate time, the speaker will be unmuted. So on this, if there are any, any public comment on items not on the agenda? Yes, Harry Bernstein. Hello. Um, that applies only to people who are not in the room. So just, you might update that. You don't have to do it 30 minutes ahead of time. Um, Correct. Uh, but it's not clear from what you said. Um, I just want to bring up one thing, I believe I said it at a different meeting, and this is about the materials from the uh, aircraft maintenance program uh, after the, the program had to leave the airport in, I can't remember if it was 2020 or 2021, 2020, um, they packed everything up and they stored it temporarily at the ocean campus for quite a few months. And then uh, I don't remember the reason, but they were moved elsewhere. The elsewhere turned out to be the strong structures at the um, Evans Center. Um, those sprung structures were meant to be for actual uses, uh, for classrooms, for uh, consultation, for uh, anything. And it wasn't going to cost anything until the they started being used. Once they started being used to store stuff that we couldn't put anywhere else, then there's costs from it. And it also does not correspond with what is said about how the spring structures are being used. It's on the City College website. So either we should update the policies or update the actual, or, or move them somewhere else so that those structures can be used um, more appropriately as designed. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, uh, Trustee Solomon said that the Southeast um, should be carried over to this meeting at last minute, according to the minutes, um, but I don't see it on the agenda. Is that any plan to 
discuss Southeast further at this meeting. Thank you for asking. I don't know that we'll have time and it's unfortunate if we don't. Thank you. That concludes public comment for items not on the agenda. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is approval of the minutes. Do I hear a motion? Uh, I move approval of the May 11th minutes. Second. Thank you. Any further comments or discussion? We do have public comment. Thank you. Harry Bernstein. Um, I think I've made my comment. Thank you. Then no Thank further you. public comment. With that, we will move to a roll call. Ms. Evans? I'm going to abstain as I was not yet student trustee or in attendance. Yes. Aye. Yes. Thank you. Before we move on to the next section of the agenda, I, uh, section four, I uh, want uh, to let everybody know that we are reordering the agenda by moving item 4C as the first item in the interest of uh, time because we do have a full agenda. And that item is uh, the move update, including potential displacement of programs and services and relocation of Conlin Hall programs and offices. Do we have public comment, Ms. Shaw? We do. Uh, first is Fannie Law. The ESL department is very disappointed in the administration's handling of the physical space of the ESL lab by exercising their power to oppress the decision-making and share governance structure. The ICER report for standard four leadership and governance does not reflect current practice. That is the first core inquiry uh, from the accreditation peer review team. They have, we have the capacity to do better. We should include all constituents groups input to quote, ensure the appropriate consideration of relevant perspectives and decision-making aligned with expertise and responsibility, end quote. Converting MUB 149A specifically designed for instruction into office space did not go through PGC facilities or PGC for input. And there was a brief mention of departments in Conan moving to MUB, none else. The associated deans wanted this move merely informed us that they wanted the space to become offices. Core inquiry four, how does the college manage the facilities to ensure they adequately support instructional services and student needs? The team would like to see proof of how the program review process plays a role here. In our recent program review, we have made plans to extend services of the ESL lab to non-credit students to address the equity and opportunity gaps to improve the students' persistence, engagement, and academic preparedness. We are here to the process, but we are not empowered. Poor inquiry nine, how does the board hold the chancellor accountable? The administration informed the ESL department that the board approved the renovation to repurpose the ESL lab space. Is that true? I can't help but think that ESL programs are systematically biased against, especially when we are experiencing improved enrollment and student engagement. 
We primarily serve students of color, low income, and academically un underprepared. And these students experience language barriers daily, that there's always a delay for them to access information and resources. And the administration continues to chip away resources from them. We can correct this situation. Whenever it goes from Fanny to me, we have to adjust the mic. Uh, good evening, trustees and college community members. I'm Jessica Buxbaum, chair of the ESL department. MUB 149, including the space now called MUB 149A, is known as the ESL CLAD or Center for Language Acquisition and Development. After many years of hard-fought advocacy by our ESL faculty, this space was purpose-built to serve our ESL students when MUB was constructed. It has been used for many years to provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring and skill-focused workshops to students working their way through the ESL credit pathway on their way to completing English 1A. The space is set up as a computer lab where students can engage in practice activities and a separate workshop space that is set up as a classroom for instruction. The workshop space side also includes a community gathering or lounge area where students could meet each other informally. The importance of such spaces for students' sense of belonging cannot be overstated. Somehow, this history was not available to our new facilities administrators. There was a move proposed of the student services staff in the assessment office into our workshop space. I was asked to have conversations, and the air quotes are deliberate, about this move multiple times, first with interim Dean Jorge Bell in December 22, followed by several conversations with Dean Gregoria Cahill. There was also a walkthrough of the space with student support services staff and administrators. In each conversation, I described the way the ESL department uses the space, as well as our plans to continue rebuilding our CLAD support program for students. I repeatedly stated that our custom-built CLAD instructional space was not an appropriate swing space for relocating assessment. This information was also repeatedly shared with Alberto Vasquez. Without this space, the ESL department will be forced to reduce and limit what we are able to do for our students. And I'd like your permission to finish the statement. <clears throat> I just wanted to share this information with you about the performative nature of the process around the move of the assessment staff into MUB 149. Both areas of MUB 149, the computer lab space and the workshop space, are actively being used for instruction. And we were planning to bring back a more robust schedule of in-person workshops this fall in response to growing in-person enrollment. However, our workshop space, which the college has conveniently renamed MUB149A, has now been refitted with office cubicles to accommodate the assessment staff. Of course, we support the work of our staff colleagues, but there must be a way to house them comfortably in a space that wasn't already designated for workshops for ESL students. We currently have no appropriate space in which to conduct our workshops. When I emailed 
Jesse Lee and Gregoria Cahill recently, after we learned that they've already gone ahead and refitted our space, asking, where can we schedule our workshops now? No one responded to me. I hope the facilities management team will reconsider this move. The question I have is, how can the college run these processes so that we end up with solutions that work for all parties and are not simply a steamroller? Thank you. Next is Aaron Lofthouse. Good afternoon. My name is Aaron Lofthouse and I am an ESL credit faculty member who has been in the cloud since its inception. I've given workshops, I've worked with computers, I've tutored and um, I've pretty much done everything in there. What I would like to say is that getting rid of that space for student workshops would be a grave mistake for the students and for the faculty that are teaching those as well. Um, two things, the pedagogy that we're able to deliver when we have small group workshops is it's not, there's not comparable to what can be done online. Um, for language learning, we often have students do breakout rooms where they have tasks that they need to perform. And those are wonderful, but you're not entirely able to monitor them. And for language acquisition, language practice, it's really important for the faculty members to be able to kind of have their eye on all the students all the time so we can intervene, so we can help, so we can troubleshoot. So pedagogically speaking, it's, not it's not it's not a good idea now i think more importantly than that though is that i have found that the clad and the workshop area has served as a place for students to create community we started out the semester students would come in trickle in at the beginning and then the, the attendance started to get a bit greater i noticed that they were coming in together um, i noticed that they knew each other's names that they were speaking to each other and and the final realization that there was community being built was when i started to wander over to phil's to get a coffee before or after my workshop i would see my students in there spanish-speaking students having a coffee with a chinese-speaking student groups of students who are taking the lessons and the and the language that they're learning in our workshops outside and using them in the real world that's the recognizable bit because that's language but excuse me spoken language but i can only imagine what they're doing with the reading workshops that we've been giving as well so i ask that we were able to continue to use that space for these useful workshops that so help our ESL students. Thank you. That concludes public comment for this item. Thank you. Um, before we um, proceed with dis further discussion of this item, I, I have a, a couple comments I'd like to make myself. And that is, so this agenda item is called Potential Displacement of Programs and Services and Relocation of Conlin Hall Programs and Offices. But uh, an email did go out today, this morning, to say that matriculation ass assessment is in fact moving to MUB 149A. So I, I, I am concerned about uh, why this was called potential displacement, and it is there on the agenda, on what we see on the screen right now. Um, I'm, I'm really not interested in what probably appears to be micromanagement by this committee. Or, my, or by the Board of Trustees, but I'm, I'm very concerned 
that are at our May facilities meeting, our committee was not informed about what that space, which is now called 149A, was being used for. So I will say that I mistakenly made the assumption that it was available space. And in fact, um, in response to a question about what this space was being used for, we, we were told by administration that they didn't know. And this on the heels of ESL classes being closed down at the John Adams campus, I, I find very concerning. And to find out as we got have got, heard more information from the people who do the work, the faculty members who work in, in, the, um, in that space, that they have been trying to address this since December, again, is very concerning. And I truly hope we can come to a solution and soon. And if we need to reverse this, uh, I know it takes more time and more labor, but uh, at this point, I would like to hear if there are any comments from my uh, fellow committee members. President Wong. Thank you. And firstly, I appreciate our ESL staff for uh, coming to our meetings and speaking about these issues and also emails that I've uh, received regarding the um, MEB 1449. Uh, similar to ooh, Chair Solomon's comments, you know, I, I want to be also careful about the board interceding on on a operational decision on moving offices at the same time you know, i think a, a lot of valid points were 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 made about how the uh, potential changes in in the space can can really hurt some of the work that the ESL um staff are, are doing to support our our students so you know i want to understand the the, the process be, behind some of the uh, uh, decision making and how this was uh, selected, and also just uh, see ask for from our staff if there are any potential ideas to to be able to resolve these um, mutual needs without having a, a situation where or the the ESL staff are, are bringing up these these concerns where it may interfere with. The, the work that they're doing serving our our students. So those are those are my comments and I, I can leave it for staff to answer later on when when appropriate. Thank you. And um yes, I also want to um echo my gratitude toward um the speakers who are from the ESL department. Thank you for coming here to to share that bit and also emailing us this information. I think I think it, it. I understand it's difficult, right? When you're an administrator and you're trying to make these decisions about those moves, and you know the direct, the degree of detail and understanding of you know the pedagogy and the use of particular spaces is so, um, is it, is so detailed that I think um, I can understand where it might have been overlooked. But I hope what is being made clear is that at, at least. What I what it heard from my colleagues, her our voting members on this committee, um, as well as for me, is the importance of maintaining an instructional space. Um, I I can share that you know when I was taking um, Spanish and um, in those language lab spaces, you know I, I think the the laboratory space essentially the the opportunity to practice outside of our the the ordinary traditional classroom and the ability to build comradeship and and practice in a 
um, less structured, a little bit more friendly space, right, with my my classmates was incredibly important in being able to reinforce the, the ability to learn the language. And I, I also find that it's, I think, I think it's just, it's, what's, what's really, for me, what really strikes me is that this, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with this concept where every time the board wants to ask questions about things, we're told that we're intervening with operations when we're just asking questions. When we were elected by voters of San Francisco, by the community, to try to hold our institution to a better standard for our community. And to me, when members of the participatory governance system, when members of our, our college stakeholders, right, come to us and tell us that they haven't been engaged in the, in the decision-making process in a way that's meaningful, and, and true to the vision of participatory governance, that's, to me, that's when the board needs to intervene. And it, it's, it's actually the exact same way that I felt about the Cantonese program and why actually um, I, was, I am absolutely in support of that uh, because the students came to us and that's why we came down a little bit harder on academic senate, right? And that's why in this space, right, when the ESL department comes to us and talks to us about, you know, the displacement of this program, we're concerned. We're concerned for the students, we're concerned for the college, we're concerned for the community, and I, I hope the administration and, you know, Dr. Martin, um, ABC Vasquez, if you can please find a way to to still be able to house the assessment center, provide the services that, you know, that the, the existing historical relationship that the assessment center and the ESL and the CLAD instructional space has had without displacing them, that would be great. Sorry, I wanna say something if I can. Um, I'm looking at the CCSF website, the board goals state that educational quality and student success are a priority and promoting academic excellence, um, as well as diversity, equity, inclusion, and creating um, space that is welcoming, representative of the community, and supports the success of all students. We also have institutional goals to improve student experience, equity, communication, and strengthen credit and non-credit programs. I'm concerned with what I'm hearing today and would love to hear how this decision was made. I also want to state that uh, for the last year, I have served on Participatory Governance Council, and I don't remember this being a part of a discussion in the space. Oh, thank you, um, Vice President Martinez. Thank you very much. Uh, I have a question, and one of the things that we were taught during our orientation is that we stay on policy side and we don't interfere, but we can always ask questions. And so I think it's appropriate for, to ask questions. And so here is one question. I wonder if the same decision, or maybe, let me put it in the frame of, uh, in the form of a question, would a similar decision may be made to take a biology lab, a computer science lab, a language lab, any other lab space that we have on campus and turn it into a different thing, that kind of instructional space. I'm hearing from the people who spoke that this serves as a welcoming center for immigrant students, ESL students are immigrants. Would, that, would a decision be made to take away space from our retention centers, APAS, LSN, Omoja, 
Chile, VASA, or resource centers, the Women's Resource Center, the Family Resource Center, Veterans Resource Center, African American Resource Center, Queer Resource Center, Hearts, Guardian Scholars, City Dream, and so forth. And I wonder if there was the kind of thought, I will, let me ask a question. Was there the kind of investigation or the kind of queries made to really understand what this space was and what it meant to the immigrant students? And I'm asking these questions because I know that a primary part of the enrollment stream for City College of San Francisco are students who come to us as immigrants in the ESL program through non-credit or credit. If you look at, walk across the campus, it's, we, we are such a bilingual campus because of those immigrant students. So my last question, would, would any group that is not an immigrant group be treated this way? And those are questions to consider when you're deliberating about space, especially when you have resources around you who can provide you that background. This has been, did anyone understand the historical significance of that place? This, this clad has been around for years. It was around when uh, the person who first started it was a teaching colleague of mine and we are the same age. And I'm not a young spring chicken. I'm retired 10 years. So it's, it's been historical and, and a, a valued space where people can gather. Did anyone consider the historical nature of this space? Those are my questions. So thank you for hearing all of our concerns. And if you have any, anything to share, we'd be very appreciative. Uh, thank you, Chair Solomon. I'm going to uh, ask if uh, our two vice chancellors can make their way up to the podium, because I think a uh, important part uh, of maybe starting uh, the response is to understand uh, the thought process as to why these uh, individuals who work in our assessment center, uh, why it would make uh, logistical sense to have them next to uh, an ESL lab. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I just like to share, I know that I'm <laughs> Uh, and newer to the, the City College uh, family in terms of the length of time, MUB 149A was identified as the um, lab for ESL. Um, his, just in the time that I've been here, uh, my colleagues in the assessment center um, have taken great pride in partnering with the ESL faculty in terms of delivering services and supports to students, both around the um, assessment process um, the ESL um, uh, process is a little different than the English and math process since all of the changes happened to, uh, with AB 705 and now AB 1705. And so oftentimes have partnered by helping to support um, students in the, the ESL uh, lab space. And they see their role um, being in such close proximity to being able to continue to do that, not just for assessment, but also through the matriculation steps in the process. Um, it was important to them to be in close proximity, not just to the ESL lab, but also to admissions and records, counseling, um, and other services that are a part of that matriculation process for ESL students.
Good evening. Uh, to add to uh, Vice uh, Chancellor Cooper Wilkins' comments, uh, we are looking at assessment in terms of it being the pretty much primary function of our assessment staff moving forward. Uh, so they are no longer assessing English and math. It is primarily for ESL students and it's primarily to serve in that capacity. So we're looking at, again, ways to really synergize the efforts uh, between instruction and student services. And again, uh, this particular building uh, is primarily a student-centered building. And again, we looked at other spaces. Again, I want to defer to AVC Vasquez. Uh, but again, when it comes to how do we coherently, synergistically serve students temporarily, uh, this location was, again, deemed to be the most viable, the most ideal, uh, again, factoring in the different uh, you know, options on campus. But again, uh, this is really to address the needs of students first. Thank you. I appreciate your comments. ABC Vasquez, are there other spaces in MUB for either of these departments? There is not other available vacant spaces um, on the here in MUB. Um, the areas that were available were some of the bungalows on the other side of campus and to the comment of adjacency and supporting the ESL program. It was deemed a better location here to support the active going programs here with the other registration and student services programs here in the building on the first floor that were already here. But there aren't a lot of vacant spaces to, to house that. Um, the only other, an option was, another option would be to take away a classroom space that's you know, set up for a general, general classroom uh, as well. That would, in, in MUB, um, a lot of the, one of the questions that came up earlier where the spaces where we were able to relocate the departments from Conlin were of other underutilized classroom spaces and buildings like the bungalows moving a lot of the a lot of the departments from Conlin did move to the 700 bungalows which did impact classrooms but they were also on the offside on the back side of the campus so it was a deemed to be a better solution than the previous Baltimore Hall location Thank you, Associate Vice Chancellor. The, the other question that I have to to add to what was just asked is so I, I think you know all the work that we do is with good intent and people you know we act in good faith, especially you know understanding the the idea to just have have synergy uh, between uh, assessment and and ES. So I'm just wondering how the communication was and and the process was and in terms of just communicating to the to the ESL department that the, the idea or the purpose of this was to have the synergy and whether there is some level of coordination or communication uh, uh, at a lateral level so that there's some um, coherency be between the folks that would be in, in the situation. If I may, I do believe that there uh, has been uh, several uh, instances of communication, and I, as alluded to in uh, some of the comments from the vice chancellors and some of the public comments, the conversation started uh, back when we had uh, the interim dean of ESL uh, over six months ago. And I know that those conversations uh, have continued in different ways uh, at different points of time, uh, but we certainly did uh, engage with the departments and the faculty prior to moving the individuals uh, two weeks ago. Yes. Were any other campuses considered, for example, Mission Campus? 
Not, not specifically because of the adjacency to the uh, assessment for the support it offers here at the main campus. Is the assessment primarily for credit students? If I may respond to that, uh, with the implementation of AB 705, we have a department that historically assessed math, English, and ESL. Uh, we no longer assess uh, math and English. So we have a department now whose primary responsibility is to only assess ESL. And now those employees are right next door to an ESL lab on uh, which students can be assessed, uh, which is also about 200 feet away from our non-credit registration here in the MUB. So I think that's the synergy on uh, which we were speaking to. Has any thought been about, because historically ESL has been, um, has been uh, has been a larger part of other campuses as well. Uh, has there been any thought about uh, having non-credit registration or the this uh, assessment lab move to someplace, uh, Mission downtown, Chinatown, someplace like that, where there are large numbers of ESL students as well? Uh, yes, and um, that's a great question, Vice President Martinez. As we look at building uh, future. Uh, plans and budgets. One of the primary funding sources are adult education grant or plans. Uh, those plans can expand and increase the services that support our non-credit students. So as we move into next budget year, I know uh, we are hard at work in developing plans to increase non-credit enrollment services, non-credit counseling, non-credit assessment. Uh, we focused primarily here on the ocean campus for this initial step, but as we branch out to our centers, that is a plan and something that we could certainly bring back more information on. What is the historical data about where non-credit students attend class? Is it on this campus or other campuses? Uh, so in, in respects to the historical, uh, I don't have that information. I do know that our Mission Campus and our Chinatown North Beach Campus has been uh, a high level of ESL non-credit classes. Uh, I believe Ocean would be uh, in the fourth or fifth if we were to rank the centers uh, in looking at historical uh, non-credit enrollment. There any thought about expanding certain student services offices out to the campuses so it makes the transition easier for students who are in non-credit into credit? One of the things that we found when we merged the two divisions, the non-credit and the credit division, is that the primary uh, source, primary pool of students who are coming to City College were from non-credit. Mm -hmm. And it would make sense to have something like that at whatever campus has a large number. At one time, the downtown campus had nothing but ESL students mm -hmm. when it was first built. I know because I was one of the instructors who opened the campus as an ESL instructor. Mm -hmm. uh, but has there any, been any thought about perhaps locating these kinds of services where the students are or where the communities are? Uh, yes, and that's certainly part of our facilities master plan and our uh, continuing update of our enrollment management plan. Uh, I do know that uh, the Student Success Center, what will be in the footprint of Conlin Hall, uh, has called for and, and as part of the plan is uh, the assessment services. So there will be uh, a component of assessment here. And I think that uh, the MUB 149 uh, location is a temporary space uh, while the new student success center is being built. And then those employees and those services would then migrate over to the student success. 
Uh, but with that said, as we look at the centers, Vice President Martinez, it's important to have those support services and work towards building them up. Uh, what we want to do is make sure that we have the full breadth of services at lo each location so students can go to the mission, get assessment, get counseling, get registration. What we don't want to do is be uh, disjointed to where students are going to the mission for assessment then having to get a counseling appointment here at Ocean and then going to Chinatown North Beach to register in the available class. So we're really trying to move towards the model where it's A to Z uh, for our non-credit Support. And that's really our adult education grant that's going to help us move uh, that progress forward. And are the discipline experts being um, part of the discussion uh, of these discussions in the uh, future? Certainly. I know that we do have uh, many faculty on the enrollment management committee uh, that will be a part of the discussion and updating the enrollment management plan. Uh, final question: uh, Are if these are modular walls, what's going to happen if there are privacy concerns or noise concerns uh, between the uh, remaining part of the CLAD computer lab and the assessment office? Um, there wasn't a sort of specific uh, privacy requirement for the assessment office because they kind of work hand in hand. In the at Conlin, they were working in the hallway, helping out at the at the computer station outside. I think the couple of examples, I think they're using the um, computers that are across the hall, you know, just walking out and, and supporting the students there. So there isn't necessarily a privacy issue for either either side. How about noise generated from uh, students uh, working in the CLAD computer lab? It has not been brought up, but, it, you know, we, the, They've just only been there a little over a week and a half. So that may be something that surfaces, but as of yet, there's been no issues. Well, might it not be different when students are actually present? That, yes, but there is a wall that they're not, it's not all open. There is a dividing wall separating the office area and the computer lab. Sorry, if I can. Um, yes. I understand the desire to have it close in proximity. That's ideal. And bungalows. Student trustee Brent, can you talk into the mic? Oh, Otherwise, the people online can't hear you. Thank you. Um, I understand proximity being important and wanting to have everything in the same place. The problem is that this is a space that's already being utilized. And I'm concerned about the success of students who want to join and be a part of this program and having the supports that they need. Um, as someone who constantly helps students with the non credit, uh, registration and enrollment process, in my experience, matriculation isn't always something that students are told about. So I'm unclear on whether it's a requirement or not, as not all students who enroll in non-credit go through matriculation. I do understand that um, this was being done in the hallway at uh, Conlin Hall. I don't think that's ideal, but it was also being done in the basement of Conlin Hall in a much quieter place. Uh, where students could focus. Um, and so I, I'm not sure what the solution is here, but I, I, I'm i just concerned. I continue to be concerned. I do want to um, emphasize what one of the speakers mentioned, and that is to make it clear that this is, I, I, it is not our intention to minimize the value of the work being done by the matriculation and assessment staff for sure. 
and and I, I um, they are part of this community as well. And uh, that is why I asked about MUB. And if I can return to that detail, um, AVC Vasquez, because perhaps I didn't understand, there was a possibility of a classroom. Is it being held in case there should be a class there? Because if we could have everything happening in this, in proximity, in this building, that, that does seem like the best solution. Get used to the button pushing. Um, so taking a class would take a, an instructional space out of circulation as well for the for the two-year period of expected construction. So that was also was discussed, but that's still the classrooms within MUB, one of our better buildings for for use with the smart classrooms wasn't really also just not ideal either. So it's difficult decisions and challenges to to move anybody into a occupied space or the challenges that we had with the space, with this unique program. I'm sorry, ABC, because what you just told me is that we're trading instructional space because I moving it to MUB 149 will also replace instructional space. And I'm sorry, Dr. Cooper Wilkins and, and Dr. Lai, but to me, the concept of synergy, it's not enough of a reason because you can have synergy. We have synergies across retention centers and resource centers, and they don't directly displace each other, right? They're able to work you know, you, you, we can move individuals into those spaces, right? And have collaboration and have support. But to me, I think when you talk about community building spaces, right? That those are, there's a reason why when we, I mean, ABC Vasquez, you know this, when we build these buildings, right? We are very intentional about building spaces for students to gather, right? Because we know that, Students, yes, students come here for instruction, but they also need spaces to gather and feel in community. And to me, I, that, is, that is not something, right, what benefits that come with the proximity of an assessment center, the displacement of instructional space, of community building space, is, that's not, that's not even a one-for-one. One. To me, you absolutely, like, what, what good can you do if you've already lost all that that community, I, it, and I'm. It just it really strikes me. I'm. I don't know, and I, I want to highlight something that President Wong had said, but you know, much gently, much more gently, is that I. I don't quite understand how these decisions are made, especially when we lost. When, when the decision was to move ESL classes from the John Adams centers to the mission center, there was, it was, it was this also this idea that we were, we were trying to create this cohesiveness, right? That like all the series would be in that center and those, those, we are serving the mission students the best. And in exchange, we are not serving the John Adams students. And so I, that's, I, I'm really troubled by the, that kind of decision-making within the administration. And I don't understand why we're not going to the students, why we're not going to the faculty who are in those spaces, who understand those spaces, to be the ones to initiate that decision. 
And so, you know, and I, and I want to bring up something because I, and I was, I didn't speak up about it at our last committee meeting because I was, I felt like we would have a little bit more time to discuss this because at the last committee meeting, it was mentioned that it was going to be temporarily moved to MUB 361. In some ways I was thinking about it, I was like, why can't it just permanently stay there? That was a classroom, that was a temporary classroom for the summer, which was not in use, but it would be used in the fall, spring, future semesters. So that was a temporary location that I referenced earlier. Um, the work was able to proceed a little bit faster to stage it and get it moved into 149. So we were able to bypass the temporary move into 361. I just, I, I don't know if this is within something that we could do as a board, but, you know, I... I asked, you know, if I can motion this, right, for, for the administration to go back and revisit and find a space that does not displace specialized instructional, a specialized instructional space like a language lab, as we would treat any lab that has taken additional design, has taken additional money, community engagement in order to, to, to intentionally design that space. It just, that just made if if that may be allowed as a motion chair before we do that um and excuse me for this uh trustee chung i believe it would be uh correct and i realize we're not going to get to the rest of our agenda but this seems to be very important um and so uh we will have to carry over some other items but um i want to allow public comment uh, from Maria Salazar-Colón. It is SEIU staff who works in the Matriculation and Assessment Center. And I think it would be important um, to get um, a full, an increasingly full picture of what this complicated issue entails. And so I believe she's going to call in. No, I'm here. Can you guys hear oh, me? Has called in. <clears throat> Okay, let me just say this. First, first of all, finding space has a lot of factors. Okay. The problem with this institution is folks seem to think that the spaces throughout this college belongs to one employee group, and it does not. What you're not going to do is displace the classified where you want them to go outside in the bushes, because I, I don't get it. You guys are not understanding that how hard it is for facilities to find spaces. Let me tell you some things that go into factor. You have to take in factor of a person's, maybe they have a, an accommodation. Like for example, I'll talk about myself without bringing up other people's confidentiality. I have an accommodation, a medical accommodation. So when they had to find a space for me, they couldn't just put me in any building. They, they had to find a building that had to follow my accommodations. So it's not like they're trying to purposely displace students from getting access to a service they want. But in some instances, they can't help it because maybe there might be employees or an employee that has to be put in a specific space because of an accommodation they have. So it's not like they're just saying, oh, let's go over there. We're gonna put you in MUB and we're gonna put you in cloud. It's not that easy, you guys. And you really have to understand there's a lot of factors that goes into this. Instead of us all trying to play land grabbing, Please give respect to facilities that this has been a difficult process. And I can tell you, it took a long process for them to find me an adequate space because of my medical accommodations that they had to follow. 
legally. So I just want to put that out there. That there's a lot of things they have to follow. And us being SEIU, we're telling them that. Don't just go, you need to find out when you're moving people, do they have any kind of accommodation before you start moving to, to anywhere? It doesn't work like that. What's, what's disheartening to me is like you guys keep speaking about supporting the faculty. I don't hear not one of you speaking supporting classified. That's a problem for me. At this point, I really have to say, I don't know where to proceed. I don't know. Um, if you wanna introduce your motion, um, Trustee Chung. I, I want to, if, if I may, before I do that, I wanna take the time and um, apologize for that oversight of the classified staff. And I think it's almost ironic as I am also SEIU, um, a member for a, for the State Department. Um, and we, I wanna acknowledge that what everything, you know, as a, as a classified member myself, I understand that, you know, we are what makes the institution run, right? We're sort of the oil and the gears to make everything possible, right? Every time, every time we come before us, every time a report comes before us, I know that it has touched, many hands of classified staff to be able to put together the report that we request. And so that I I want to acknowledge that the reason why I'm I want to acknowledge that my oversight in not in not addressing that, but in in recognizing the need for assessment center to have a home. I also think it's important for us to have homes for both of these services like we it should not be one or the other i just i and so i i still ask that we move to to find a space i because i i personally believe that it is much better for us to if we had to at the end of the day we're if they're an educational institution and all of our if you know our vacant rooms are probably classrooms is that if we need to find a home for the SF, because we need to find a home for the assessment center, that we find a general instructional space to house them in. That's my motion. Do I hear a second? For, I've, for purposes of discussion, is there a second? I'll, I'll defer to Chancellor first, and Certainly. do you have any info that? Uh, thank you, before I make and I think it's maybe just a question or a point of order in that uh, if, uh, are we uh, suggesting that the subcommittee is taking action or is the subcommittee acting on behalf of the entire board? Uh, but if there is a direction to the administration, it may be appropriate to engage uh, the full board uh, for that direction. I, I believe that uh, a committee cannot act on behalf of the entire board because there are only three of us. We are not a majority. So we can advise, but we cannot act. Yes, that that so yes, it is a motion to, to advise 
the administration to look into another location and also for it to move before the whole board if it you know if if the the hope is that you know there's a lot i, I want to recognize yes there's a lot of background work that needs to go we can't the board can't make any decisions without the assistance of the administration um in doing all the homework and make and and finding all the solutions i think the hope is that you would be able to find an instructional classroom that's in proximity that in, in some proximity to the clad and with with this advisory um vote and if, if it comes to it, if someone seconds it and if if not then it would go before a whole board i'd like to offer something similar to that, kind of uh, do a soften up the language a little bit, but offer something similar to that. So, uh, so motion um, for the for the facilities committee to urge uh, the administration to find to identify um, a space for the assessment staff and the ESL um, and provide some alternatives to be considered. I'll take that amendment. Thank you, President Wong. I think, so first of all, it's unfortunate this this conversation is happening here and it didn't happen in advance, that we didn't have, uh, there was not a process for faculty and classified staff to, to speak together in the same meeting and with administration. Uh, I hope moving forward, we can avoid an issue like this. I do wanna be careful that the committee is not uh, supplanting or replacing the role of the board of trustees. Uh, as, as I've mentioned before, as a concern, we don't currently have written rules and protocols for our committees. We'll be working on that. But we are, again, we are not a majority of the board. I think we can make the request mm -hmm. or urge, but we cannot as a committee. We, I, I, would, I would suggest that we put this item on the agenda for the January, January, June 22nd board meeting. So we can have a full a discussion with the full uh, board. Yes. Yes, I, I agree with the, the sentiments of um, uh, Trustee Solomon in terms of since this is a a subcommittee of of the board we we can't necessarily direct but we can provide recommendations so we'll want to be careful of setting any sort of um, uh, a precedent and so that's why and to also to just clarify because I see some wordsmithing on my uh, kind of the friendly amendments my just to reword it it was motion for the facilities committee to urge the administration to identify alternative options on the placement of the assessment and ESL locations. That's a little bit more reflective of my um, statement. It's not exactly what I said before, but you get the gist. Um, so, so it'd be a 
a motion by the facilities committee urging the administration to identify some alternatives. Um, and at the end of it, I said to be considered. Um, so, so I think it's a little bit softer so that it, it allows some space for for staff um, to bring up alternative uh, considerations, and but at the same time, we're not necessarily dictating a a decision. Um, so that's something I'd be comfortable with as a subcommittee of the board to uh, for for this um, committee to to take. I believe the motion needs to be clear, and I think it is. Um, that this is about the possibility of identifying alternative options without making a decision about an alternative placement at this time. Is that correct? Correct. So as it stands right now, the modular units are already in there. People have already started work. We're not going to stop the work of the matriculation and assessment committee uh, while this process is still going on. Is that within the spirit? Good. I agree. <laughs> Hope so. All right. Any other comments? And I see we are at 6.33. So we'll need to wrap it up. Should we vote on the motion? Yes, that's uh, what I was going to ask for. Could we have a roll call vote, please, Ms. Shaw? Student Trustee Grant, advisory. Aye. Uh, Chair Solomon? Aye. Trustee Chung? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. Motion passes. So that we can adjourn timely and not uh, stop the progress of the next committee, are there any, aside from the entire rest of the agenda being for the future agenda items? Uh, are there any other items, for, uh, recommendations for future agenda items? Yes, uh, Chancellor I, Martin. Yeah, I apologize, Chair Solomon, for uh, waving uh, over here. But if the subcommittee could potentially consider taking action on 5A through C, that would help us get it to the full board this month and not uh, delay progress on our on our construction. Thank you. That's a good point. I um, should have seen that. So the action that we need to take is to um, approve moving these three items to the board, correct? That, that is correct. Yes. So we, we don't have to have an opinion about what they are. We just have to. So I would um, entertain a motion to uh, move all three of these items to the full board for a vote on June 22nd. I move that we forward items 5A, 5B, and 5C to the full board with a positive recommendation. Second, but I, I'd just like to insert a small commentary before we vote. So we have, so here's the discussion portion. Please proceed. <laughs> Thank you, Chair um, uh, Solomon. I just wanted to um, ask essentially. Um, you know, given that our lease has abruptly terminated, um, regarding 5B, right, our lease um, at 1800 Oakdale has been abruptly terminated, and, but I still noticed that there were um, sort of uh, load ratio. I, there's there's a lot of terminology here on this in this report that I need a little bit of clarification on, um, but but I, I just noticed that it, it's as if that's still there, and I wanted to inquire if that 
sort of as a commitment to uh, of our district, at least, if not to 1800 Oakdale, to the southeast corner of the city. So it's uh, we we zeroed zeroed that building out in the, in the past because like Fort Mason, any building, the airport, anywhere where we previously had classes uh, with the state fusion system, we end up having to zero out the number. So it still shows it's still reflected in this current one, but in the next year it will not. So it's just a a timing issue of when we you know with, with the cancellation of the lease or the termination of the lease, we were then able to then zero out the, that we're not going to be in that facility anymore. Thank you for that clarification, ABC Vasquez. Um, I do hope, though, that we we find some way to to recommit to the southeast corner, um, uh, if it's not indirectly through this report. Um, but I also wanted to just briefly state, right? There's a couple of commentaries about um, across these agenda items that says it hasn't gone through PGC because it's operational. I want to just note, like, I agree. For example, 5A is operational because we have voted on it in the past, and these are just mm -hmm. we're just completing contracts um, and and bringing it before the whole board to to bring to um, a state entity to approve. But I I I again I just want to discourage us. I think. The concept of participatory governance or, or skipping over participatory governance really costs us the opportunity to build capacity, right? I, I believe, I deeply believe that when we engage with the various college stakeholders, we build capacity to detect mistakes early, capacity to strengthen college morale and community transparency, and the capacity to actually build a, a better plan. So I'm just, I'm saying this in the hopes that it is participatory governance process is, is something I hope is encouraged and where we see our community members as a resource. Thank you, Chair Solomon. Thank you. And with that, we will proceed to a vote. Student Trustee Grant, advisory vote. Aye. Chair Solomon. Aye. Trustee Chung. Aye. Trustee Wong. Yes. The motion passes. Thank you. And with that, do I hear a motion to adjourn? Motion to adjourn. Second. Roll call. Student Trustee Brand, advisory vote. Aye. Chair Solomon? Yes. Trustee Chung? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. The motion passes.